Tonight's episode is brought to you by Bendetti Optics, Sherpa.com, and you, our listeners. This podcast, everything I do is kind of framed around this idea of finding yourself and being that. Whoever you are, unashamedly, unabashedly, unapologetically, being who the hell you are. Unless you're a mass murderer, don't do that. You are a bad person. What is up, all of you Wayward Souls, and welcome back to the Wayward Stories podcast. Wayward Stories is the podcast where we tell stories of all of our adventures out there in the world as we go about exploring everything this big, beautiful, bountiful world has to offer us and hope to perhaps find ourselves along the way. Um, and you know, interestingly enough, like, I think I may have done that a few years ago. And uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight here. I think that there is a, uh, not necessarily a reframing. There's not really, there's not going to be a restructuring of the format of this show at all. It's going to be the same thing it always was. But for me, on a personal level, there's almost a reframing in my mind that is going to help me out significantly as we pull together stories and do things moving forward. Um because for some time there was a, starting to get to be a little bit of a struggle because the whole concept behind this, right, has been to basically tell our stories of, of like kind of adventures and self-discovery. We go out there and a lot of us are out there in the wild. We're out there in the world, even if it's just travel and it's bougie travel. But a lot of us, as we get older, we start going out there, going through, I guess what they call a midlife crisis. Mine started when I was like 19, but whatever. Um but we're like really trying to figure out who we are and what we care about. And that's kind of the idea of this show is like mine got jump started four years ago. You know, we've talked about it multiple times, dare I even mention it. But mine got really jump started about four years ago, you know, after a big life changing experience. And the whole idea to me has been like going out there and finding out who the heck I am, who I really am, when I'm not trying to be what everyone else wants me to be, but be who I I want me to be. And that's kind of been the framework of this show because this is where I found myself is out there exploring, chasing the things, listening to my heart, the things that I love. It's like, okay, what about what you love for a change, Justin? You've done everything everyone else loves. You've been everything else, um, everything everyone else has asked of you and expected of you. And well, now there is no one else. So you got this little vacuum here. You're living in a little vacuum. Who the heck are you? Who do you want to be? What do you like? What What's that? And you start listening. And it's like, you know what? I always love this. I always love that. I always love that. And you go out and you start doing those things again. And in my mind, it's been this kind of framework of this podcast has been me kind of telling that story of me finding myself. And I did that through my love of the great outdoors. But it's kind of started to dawn on me. Like, wait a second. Like, you, you already knew yourself. You'd already found yourself in so many ways. You knew who you were. You just had to start listening to it. Hey. And then you had to go start doing it. That implies action. You had to take steps and move forward. Um, and that brings to mind one of those little things that you would see someone would buy at, say, a Kirkland's or some little boutique shop somewhere. Those signs, they usually look handmade or are handmade, and they have their little sayings on them. And I saw it somewhere, I believe, in Festus, Missouri, roughly, probably... 10, 12 months ago, about a year ago, on my delivery route, and I walked up onto someone's porch and delivered a package, and I looked up, and there was a sign there, and it said, life is not about finding yourself. 
It's about creating yourself. And that kind of struck me at the time as, hey, you know, that seems pretty deep. Because to me, again, this podcast, everything I do is kind of framed around this idea of finding yourself and being that. Whoever you are, unashamedly, unabashedly, unapologetically being who the hell you are and not giving a flying flip about what anyone else thinks about it. That is healthy. That is incredibly healthy. Unless you're a mass murderer, don't do that. You are a bad person if you do that. And you should care about what other people think of you. And you should be in jail. But, you know, just the little things in life. You know, so many people are like, oh, I can't get into that. Like, all my friends are super conservative and they'll call me a hippie. Or all my friends are super liberal and they'll call me a conservative or whatever. Just who you are. Be who you are. And let those people, let the dross, you know, fall away. Let the people that don't love you for you. And only like you because of who you are to them. Let them go. You know, let them hit the bricks. It can be painful, but honestly, y'all, that's a truthful way to live. That's a truthful, true to yourself and true to them too. If they're friends with you just because you do the things they want you to, how good of a friend are they? You know, I mean, what are you really losing in that process? But I can attest to you, the people that pop their heads up and the friends that you make in the aftermath of that, aftermath of that, when you start becoming who you are and just kind of like, hey, this is me, take it or leave it. Those people that take it, those guys are ride or die. You know what I mean? They're down to ride for homicide. They're there till the end. That's real family. That's real blood. Um, And as I was thinking about all of these things, you know, like, you know what, you already going back to one of my patented tangents, wayward son tangent there, but going back from that to what I kind of started with on that sign, it's not about finding yourself, it's about creating yourself. I think we all kind of have already found ourselves. We kind of know who we are. It's sifting through all of these layers that we have in place that we've put up there to to have interactions, have families, have husbands and wives and and friendships. Um we all, to some degree, cater to everyone else more than we realize. And it took me losing everyone else through this grand experience that happened to realize like, hey, I've got an opportunity here to just figure me out and be who I am. And I started doing that. And what I kind of discovered was you kind of already know who you are. You just have to sift through those layers. And then once you figure out what you really care about, you have to take action and start being it. You have to start doing it. And that's what that sign kind of at the time planted a seed of. It didn't strike me as it has now. And I think I needed that seed because I kind of needed it recently. Um, of It's not about finding out who you are. It's about creating yourself. That's what life's all about. And to bring that into make sense of what I'm talking about here is I've been struggling the last several episodes trying to figure out like with this show. I'm like, okay, um, you've told your whole story now by way of telling the things that got you here, and you've been mildly entertaining, at least to some people, and they've kind of figured out what you're doing. You're telling your stories of being out there exploring, adventuring, but you're getting to tell your own story as well, and you're getting to get a lot of that. You're getting to work through that and offer a lot of hopefully insight, and as it has been, feedback I've gotten has worked as I had hoped that other people have heard it, that have been through things like you, and it's connected with them, and it's given them something to work with and something to, you know, take a little bit of inspiration out of and say, Hey, I matter too. I can be that too. I can take control of my own life too. And like, that's been super awesome, but I've been struggling with, okay, where do I kind of go from here? Because I've kind of told my story now. 
through all these adventures. I've kind of told it. So what's what's going on now? And it started to dawn on me. Oh, you know what? You've already kind of transitioned into this different framework. You just didn't realize it consciously. Um, but you kind of you haven't been telling the story of finding yourself really since like episode six or episode nine, somewhere in there, somewhere around the Big Sur episode back at the very beginning. You've been telling your story of creating yourself since then, because everything you've told has been about who you've become and the things that you care about and the things that you love as you have remade your life. And that's what it really is all about. It's not just finding yourself. It's about creating yourself, going out there and doing the things, you know, you spend a minute locating, what do I really care about? After that, you're creating that person you want to become and the life that you want to lead. You're rebuilding a life. And for a lot of us that are like in the, well, I don't want to say in the autumn of our lives, 40, I've still got halfway to go. Let's say we're in like midsummer. Midsummer is a good time anyway, man. Snow cones, t-ball, um, you know, river floats, that getting sunburned. Midsummer is a great time. So we're just going to say I'm in the midsummer years of my life. And anyone who's in the same age range with me, has really a lot of us start thinking about what are we going to do with the next half? We've lived the first half. You know, we, we've lost a lot of stuff and we've gained a lot of stuff. It's a net positive for most people, even if what you've lost has been pretty harsh, but it's all that experience. It's all that life experience that helps you um, and gives you a better idea. And you kind of got a real head start on the next 40 years. If you're just cutting them into 40 year chunks and this can be applied to any age, y'all just work with me here. But I'm like, a lot of us start thinking about what are we going to do from here? And as I look around Instagram and I look around Facebook and I look around all my hiking and kayaking and biking groups and all these things, it becomes clear and apparent, you know, wow, there's a whole lot of people doing the same kinds of stuff that I'm doing. There's a lot of us out there rebuilding, recreating our lives. We are creating who we want to be and what we want to live now. And most people it is after something like a divorce or maybe if they're lucky and hopefully for them, they're doing it together as a family, as a couple, even their kids involved. I've seen some of that, but honestly, it's a whole lot of single people out there. And that can be true for all of us. You just have to find it, access it, and then start creating it. And so why is that important? Because that helps me reframe where I'm going in my mind as I come up with these stories. It's like, yeah, Justin, this still has value because you are in a constant evolutionary process of your life. I am the kind of person I evolve because my childhood taught me you can trust no one, like literally no one. And then my adulthood backed that up and you have to survive. And when you have live your whole life in survival mode, you don't care for the societal convention. You don't care for the constraints of things as we understand them. I'm no anarchist. I totally believe in, in law and order and structure and all of those things. They're great. But like they're not super for me. I don't love a nine to five job. I need things to be a little wonky. I don't like stuff to meet the status quo. I am an unorthodox human. That's just who I am. And I always have been because that's what my childhood did to me. And like, I kind of enjoy being unorthodox. I kind of enjoy being different and doing things different. That works for me. I like living by the seat of my pants and being a partial nomad. I'm almost a complete digital nomad. Everything I do is based through this wonderful <laughs> digital utopia, depending on which avenue you choose. If you go down the back streets and you end up on the north side of Fort Smith in that digital Fort utopia or North Little Rock or West Memphis, or pretty much anywhere in St. Louis, there's a lot of places on the internet that are not great places to be found. But there's also a lot of wonderful things on there. But like, that works for me. 
And so like, as it goes, here I am rebuilding my life a step at a time, evolutionary. I have an open mind because all of the, yeah, there was a place I was going with that and I find my way back to it now. Um, all of the things that our world is structured around, which is the what you were raised to believe politically, religiously, spiritually, it doesn't matter. Everything you're raised to believe, none of those things ever stuck with me. I questioned all of it, and I still do to this day, and I'm open-minded enough to accept a lot of it. Yeah, I had strongholds for years that have fallen away in the last four to five. Um, and so I'm just a very open-minded person. Hey, show it to me, prove it to me, and you know I'll adjust how I think about things. I absolutely will. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so I evolve a lot. So this whole podcast and everything we're doing, it really embodies that little sign that said it's not about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. That's what we're all doing. Even if we aren't doing it consciously, we are creating our own reality. We are literally co-creators of our world that we live in and our realities. The only real reality is the one in the little bubble that you're in and what you can affect within it. So as we create it, this helped me reframe. The podcast still makes sense. All these stories we're telling are taking us. It's showing you. This is me recreating my world. This is me creating myself. I've already found it. It makes sense now. I was already doing it. And hopefully, like, maybe that framework in your mind can help you just from a, a standpoint of, like, a little bit of perspective of maybe step back and take a look at your life and go, hey, that really is what I'm doing. I do create my own realities. I am creating my own world that I'm living in. And I'm not super happy with certain parts of it, or I feel like I'm not getting all that I want out of it. I'm not exploring the things that I love and I'm passionate about. Well, you know, you'll start listening to your heart, start listening to your gut and going, well, hey, I really love this, this, and this. I need to start. I need to start chasing it. And you can start more actively creating what you want your life to be. And on that note, a nice little segue kind of brings me to a bit of housekeeping that I wanted to talk about tonight because I'm super psyched about it. I'm also super intimidated and filled with anxiety over Um, in this whole thing. And this is part of what helped me realize that as I am creating my future, I am creating who I want to be. I am now enrolled, boys and girls, um, gentlemen, ladies, I am now enrolled in the cultural anthropology program at SNHU. And I'm very excited about it. Basically only two or three of you that probably don't even listen to me, but the closest people in my world that know everything about my life, not just the last five years, but all the way back to my early childhood, know exactly how big of a, I don't want to call it an accomplishment, but how big of an obstacle had to be overcome and what it took for me to get to this point and how much it's about to take to get it done. It ain't cheap for a middle-aged dude with a job. You get zero assistance. Um, it's a pretty important thing to me and I am super psyched. Um, I decided if I was going to take on this much work, this much effort and all of these things this late in my life, you know, 41, it'll take me till I'm 50 y'all <laughs> to get a, you know, the degree I want taking it a class at a time. Cause I kind of have a job and a daughter and a podcast and like, you know, a whole life that I have to live. Any of you that go to college, as adults, as non-trad students, you know that. Any of you who've chosen to take more classes on top of a degree you already had to try to further your future, you know what it's like. And it's a lot to take on. And I didn't go into this blind, but I am getting into the thick of it now. In this last couple of weeks, I've been getting everything put in order, set up. We're on it. And I am so psyched because I decided if I'm going to take all this on this late, I'm going to do something I love. And that's part of why I probably never made it to school before now. 
to be honest, it's because I had no idea what I wanted to do with my whole life. Like I didn't. And I knew even back then without really consciously knowing it, how much I evolved. It's like, man, the things I love right now, I'm not going to love in three months because I'm going to move on. What can you do that you're always going to care about? Well, now I know. And this last four or five years has really shaped me and my experience to this point where I absolutely know what I want to do. And it is in cultural anthropology. It is a broad enough field where I can go many directions, national park service, state parks, archaeology, museum, docent, museum, curator, museum, like there's interpretive, uh, interpretive guides. There's so many things I love to learn and I love to teach. And it's all within cultural anthropology. All the things I love in this world, you guys have been listening to for like, this is the 43rd podcast and been watching on my YouTube channel. All the things I love so much in this world that I can't tell anyone why it's ineffable. It makes no sense even to me, but history, culture, all the world cultures, like everything about who makes us who we are, everything about that makes all of us who we are and our interactions in this world and how this world has been and how it is right now and how it can be and watching the evolution of that over the eons. It's awesome. And I love it. What the heck am I going to do with it? I don't know yet. I got many, many career paths I could take through it. And every single one of them would keep me happy as a clam for the rest of my life. And so I finally know what I want and I'm about to go get it. And like any of you doubting Debbie's out there, any of y'all out there that are like, yeah, we'll see if he if he can handle it. Oh, brother, let me tell you something. You don't know the things I can handle. Here in the here in the South, when you go through hellacious experiences, people say that it'll put dog in you. It'll put the dog in you. And what that means is it puts fight in you. It puts determination in you. And it puts you ain't going to lose in you. And let me tell y'all something. I got a whole lot of dog in me. Like, not only will I have this degree, there's a very good chance in 10 to 12 years, I will have a master's in it. I promise you. There is no if. It's going to be a win. You know, come hell or high water. Let's hope I don't get hit by a beer truck tomorrow. But short of anything like that, we're going to have it. And I'm super psyched about it. And I'm really excited about the doors that could open for me because I'm getting old, y'all. Like part of the part of the, the decision making process here was this is my retirement. I work for Big Purple. They don't give you retirement. They don't give you benefits like you get screwed left and right. Last week alone, guys, I literally, I tweaked my knee hard. I don't want to call it a full blowout, but I tweaked it hard. I couldn't hardly walk for a day and I dislocated this finger at work. Okay. In St. Louis, Missouri is probably not the place to dislocate your middle finger so that it becomes swollen to like three times the size of your other fingers and sticks straight up and can't be bent. Just saying middle finger extended at all times in a city like St. Louis probably probably not a good idea. Like it didn't work out super well. I had to keep my hand hidden, but I dislocated a finger and jerked my knee around pretty hard. Six months ago, I did blow out the other knee. A year and a half ago, I broke my ankle, all of them at work, work related because of work with no benefits, no medical, no nothing through that godforsaken employer. Like big purple screws everyone. I don't have it. You know, I don't have a retirement. So this is my retirement plan. I'm going to have to work till I die. I done figured that out. So maybe I should do something a little bit intellectual where I can work in, an, you know, behind a desk or in a museum or teaching a class or something. So I can work till I die and at least have some kind of income other than Social Security, which may not even get that when I get there. So like there's a whole concept and a reason behind this. But the reason I tell you guys all of that is number one, I'm very proud. 
that this is getting to happen. And it's a huge achievement for me just to overcome the things it's taken to get here. And it's going to be a more huge achievement. It's going to be ginormous when I do get there, because that's an even larger obstacle with the time and the money and the effort that's going to have to go into it. But I am psyched about it. And also I tell you, because I want to encourage any of you that have ever thought about it, it is totally possible to do. And you should at least consider it because we live in a society now where this is life. This is life how it is, guys. This is just how it is. You got to have a degree for anyone to even like meet you face to face. If I could meet most people face to face, I could get a job without this college degree in a lot of ways. But no longer will they even meet you. You can't even get an in-person interview without showing that you can do higher education. And it's stupid and I don't agree with it and our system's broken, but it is where we are. And I fortunately absolutely love learning. So I'm super psyched about going to school. Personally, you you can't even like I got this whole program and even the gen ed stuff is like tailored more or less to my field of study, except for like two classes. Everything's got something to do with what I care about. So I'm like, I'm going to tear into this, y'all. I'm psyched. I can't wait. Like, I mean, I haven't had to wait. We're into it now. But like, I can't wait to really get into it as we move forward down the road and I really get into those classes that are about the things I love so much. Um but it's, I'm super psyched and I just want to put it out there, y'all, just as, you know, another voice in a crowd of millions who have already done it before me. Like, you can. This is creating yourself. It's not about finding yourself. Remember that. We just learned. I just figured that out. It ain't all about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. And this is a huge part of that. I am creating my future. I am co-creating my reality. And, you know, I just want to encourage everyone to do the same thing. Now that we've like rambled on for 21 minutes about basically not tonight's episode, I hope you guys stayed with me. I really do, because I feel like some of the stuff I said there is important for some people to hear. If you did stay with me, I appreciate it, and we'll start getting into it now. Um, We come out of all of me telling you all of that, because that's been the biggest preponderance of everything that's been going on here recently, besides dislocating... the California howdy finger, um, in, in St. Louis and blowing out a knee, like has been kind of just all these things I just talked about. And in trying to figure out, Hey, what am I going to do for an episode? Well, what I'm going to do for an episode is tonight, we're going to talk about Oklahoma's first national park, the Platt national park. Um, and I'm going to tell you all about it. Cause you probably never heard of it. I bet you money. You've never heard of it. Um, and we're going to talk about that in the trip. I just took to it the way work worked out work worked out. Allow myself to introduce myself. Um, But the way things worked out coming in from my last trip of work and my daughter had a thing with her mom and her stepdad this weekend and we just, my whole schedule got jacked around a little bit. I had three days to myself and knowing with everything I just talked about to you guys that's going on, I was like, this may be my last three days for some time to get any kind of an adventure in. And so I got in this adventure going down to Turner Falls, um, near Davis, Oklahoma. It's in the very southern portion of Oklahoma, darn near down into Texas, dead central part of the line between Texas and Oklahoma. And to check out the Arbuckle Mountains and Turner Falls and Platte National Park and the Chickasaw National Recreation Area. But it all plays together in a story that I'm going to tell you all about it. Um, But let's get to um, actually talking about tonight's episode. Thank you if you stayed with me. So number one, the Arbuckle Mountains. Arbuckle Mountains are in southern Oklahoma, only about an hour to two hours drive-wise from the Wichita Mountains that we just talked about two episodes ago in Outlaw Loot and Spanish Gold. Um, 
And they're similarly some of the oldest mountains in the entire world, but especially in the United States. There are varying like arguments about what's the oldest. People talk about the Blue Ridge Mountains, the Smoke uh the Great Smoky Mountains, obviously the Appalachians all the way down, but the Blue Ridge Mountains in that region, the Wichita's, the Arbuckles, um, like the so Rockies again. The Rockies are babies. The Rockies are babies time wise. Like they're they're not even close. But everyone argues about it, and this is the safest way to put it. They are one point four billion years old, and they literally vie for the top spot as oldest formation in the continental United States. And as such, they are eroded down to nearly nothing. And that's really fascinating. The oldest you think in your mind, the big Rockies and the Appalachians are so big and stately and they just seem ancient. No, they're actually really, really young comparatively. The oldest mountains we have have had a billion years to erode and they're super short. When you get into them though, what's left of them, you're down to like core base material like absolutely gorgeous and stunning and breathtaking kind of scenery. It's really cool stuff. The Wichita's were amazing. The Arbuckles are too, in a little bit different way. One thing I noticed right out of the box with the Arbuckles is that they are, again, very short, but it makes it a lot harder to find some of the really, really stunning stuff. Altogether, absolutely beautiful. Forested hills, forested little rolling hills and plains going into some pretty nice little mountains. When you get down into the deepest parts, and I mean, one of the places it was really, really obvious was in the actual park of Turner Falls Park itself, um, because there's a lot of obvious geology going on where you've got the river that cuts through and it's made this huge, beautiful 77 foot waterfall, the tallest waterfall in Oklahoma right there in Turner Falls Park. But that's where the geology to what I could see um, in the area I was actually in is kind of the most exposed. You get a little bit further, 20 miles to the west over towards the Chickasaw National Recreation Area. They're not as dramatic. Like the real drama that I could find was kind of right there in the heart, just south of Davis, seven to 10 miles south of Davis. Um, but they're very, very beautiful. Um, in that area, what makes that area so special other than they're super old, super, super old and eroded down to, and when you get into that geology, the geology is really amazing. Have the 77 foot waterfall, but there's this, there's a syncline, the aquifer there forms a syncline, which creates all of these natural springs pushing out over in the Chickasaw National Recreation Area, which is where the original Platte National Park was. And they get pushed up out of the ground at lower elevations. You guys know how hydrology works, how the Romans actually had working toilets and water fountains up in the top of the Roman Colosseum. You guys know about all of that stuff. This is how this kind of works in the natural setting. And these springs push up. And some of them come through a lot of different minerals. So you have sulfur springs and you have bromine springs, but you also have like clear water springs, like fresh water, not clear water, fresh water springs that you can drink straight out of it. And these springs had, as all of them are, any of you guys that are aware of like Hot Springs National Park down in uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas, just south and what, west of Little Rock. I mean, these places were really gathering grounds for the ancients of all times from native Americans all the way up until like the European settlers started hitting. And then we, you know, the U European settlers, because we're all industrial capitalists start turning these things into bathhouses and like community gathering places and started trying to capitalize off of all of this. Right. 
that's what's going on down there. And it's really, really cool with the beautiful scenery that there is to go along with it created the original first Platte National Park. And what we're going to do, we're getting close to pushing 30 minutes here into our ad break. But what we're going to do is I'm going to read to you a couple of things about Platte National Park and set the stage for you. And then we'll go to our ad break. And when we come back, I'll tell you about my trip. We'll do our travel log after we get back from the break. So right now, let's talk about Platte National Park. I'm going to read first from the Chickasaw National Recreation Area actual publication that you pick up at the park that has all the hiking trail maps on it. Um, and we'll talk later about everything you can do in the park. But this is going to give you an overview of what we're going to talk about tonight. Water is the attraction at Chickasaw National Recreation Area. Whether it takes the form of springs, streams, or lakes, at Little Niagara and Rock Creek, shaded streams beckon waders and swimmers. Veterans Lake calls anglers to test their skills. Lake of the Arbuckles provides excellent motor boating. <laughs> Shoot, I'm sorry. <laughs> Lake of the Arbuckles provides excellent motor boating, skiing, sailing, fishing, and swimming. Holy crap. I'm going to leave that in because it's real. That that wasn't staged. Um God, I'm 12 years old. I'm so sorry. Okay. Chickasaw's mineral springs result from water passing through underground rock layers that form a canoe-shaped structure called a syncline. I just told y'all about that. Water enters the high point of this formation and travels downhill. Pressure then forces the water up through the fissures in the rock layers. Some rock layers contain sulfur and bromine. Water coming through these layers collects the minerals, becoming mineral water. Water passing through rock layers without these minerals is considered fresh water. Folklore tells of an ancient people who called this place, quote, peaceful valley of rippling waters, end quote. Many believe that the waters had healing powers. In the early 1800s, the federal government began to move American Indians, Choctaw, Chickasaw, and others from the east of the Mississippi River to this area. In 1855, land that is now part of the National Recreation Area was deeded to the Chickasaw Nation. By the late 1890s, settlers had built a town at Sulphur Springs. Its hotels and bathhouses promoted the water's medicinal qualities, Concerned that overuse would deplete the area's unique natural resource, local residents sought to preserve the springs. And to that end, in 1902, the Chickasaw and Choctaw Nations sold the springs in a 640-acre buffer to the Department of the Interior. Senator Orville Hitchcock Platt of Connecticut sponsored the legislation, establishing it as Sulphur Springs Reservation. Senator Platt died in 1905, and in 1906, the reservation boundaries were expanded and the name changed to the Platt National Park. In the 1930s, the Civilian Conservation Corps built pavilions, roads, trails, and waterfalls and planted over 500,000 trees in the park. In 1976, Platt National Park, Arbuckle Recreation Area, and additional lands were combined to create create this nearly 10,000 acre recreation area. The legislation creating the new area stipulated that it be named Chickasaw National Recreation Area to commemorate the Chickasaw Nation's cooperation in establishing the park in 1902. And there you see that it went from being a national park to being a national recreation area, which is probably why you've never heard of Oklahoma's first national park, Platt National Park. Now, one more little short reading, and you guys will appreciate this. Stay with me. Like, I feel like, hey, I feel like we're still being interesting tonight. So, you know, just hang around. Um, this comes from NPR.org. 
and it's uh, dated on August 9th, 2016. Um, and the byline is Joe Wirtz in Oklahoma, a national park that got demoted. And I feel like this is a fair article to read. It's going to give you an idea of what's going on down there. And it's a very cool place. But this article is a really good article. The Chickasaw National Recreation Area in South Central Oklahoma is not a national park, but it used to be. And the story of what happened illustrates a changing view of what national parks are for. For over a century, the area's mineral-rich springs have been gathering point for locals, travelers, and tribes that were forcibly relocated to, their, to the land that later became Oklahoma, says Debbie Sharp, president of the Friends of Chickasaw National Recreation Area, a nonprofit group. Native Americans considered these rippling waters where spirits would help to soothe your soul, to heal the sick body, a place to restore yourself, and a place to rest, Sharp says. Word of this, quote, Oklahoma oasis, end quote, spread in the late 1800s. Trainloads of tourists flooded in to soak and drink the water. The Chickasaw and Choctaw tribes were worried city entrepreneurs would turn the springs into a private spa. So they worked out a deal with the federal government and Platte National Park was established in 1906, protecting the springs as public commons. That, I love that. Stepping out of the narrative for a minute absolutely love that that they worked to make sure it remained open and free to the public as opposed to becoming a pay-for-play kind of site by private entrepreneurs anyway back into the narrative it's really different from the other national parks because it doesn't have this grand scenery says heidi holman a professor of landscape architecture at iowa state university she says platt has always struggled to stand out at a national level platt was the smallest national park it had streams, but no raging rivers. It had hills, but no majestic mountains, and most of what you see today isn't natural. During the New Deal, the Civilian Conservation Corps planted hundreds of thousands of trees and shrubs, carved hills, piped spring water to pavilions, and even the bison herd was transplanted. It's like this improved nature, in a sense, Holman says. She says from the moment it was created 100 years ago, the National Park Service struggled to balance two ideals— we're going to protect these things and we're going to provide for enjoyment. And that's a dual mandate, she says. And sometimes one of those mandates is emphasized more than the other. Platt thrived in the 1950s as war-weary Americans flocked to leisure activities like boating and camping. But the conservation movement in the 1960s saw a push for more inspiring wilderness. In 1976, Platt was demoted. It was combined with a nearby reservoir and rebranded as the Chickasaw National Recreation Area. Sharp says that the change pushed the park off of the nation's map. I would just give almost anything that I have to see that we return to the national park status, she says. Just the national park status, to me, that's pristine. That's beautiful. That's magnificent. That's a part of something so big. The recreation area does have one feature that many of its more impressive national park cousins however lack and that is that admission is free and then that's the end of the narrative and let me speak to that real quick yeah y'all ever been to yosemite 40 bucks every time you go per car do you buy yourself 40 bucks doesn't matter it's expensive the former platte national park is free and really should be a destination for everyone because how many times do you get to go see a national park that's no longer a national park. And it's not really for lack of it actually being beautiful, y'all. The springs are amazing. But we're going to save that for part two. It's time to take our break, and I'm going to tell you all about my experience exploring this beautiful area down there when we get back. You guys hang around, and we'll catch you in about uh, 60 seconds. I want to take a second to tell you guys about tonight's sponsor, Survival Feeling. 
Survival Feeling is a hiking brand based in Greece, and they offer an assortment of gear that's aimed towards the goal of helping you better enjoy your time outside. And that is, of course, what we are all about here at Wayward Stories. I really like this company for a lot of reasons, but chief amongst them is that they were founded with giving back to the community in mind. They donate a portion of all proceeds to organizations like the Wildland Firefighters Foundation to help support those who work to keep us all safe while we're out there trying to find ourselves. We've partnered with them to bring you guys a unique coupon code that will save you Wayward Souls 15% off of your order. Go to survivalfeeling.com and use offer code WAYWARDSTORIES at checkout. Once again, that's survivalfeeling.com and use the offer code WAYWARDSTORIES. And welcome back. Thank you guys for hanging around through the sponsor break. It's greatly appreciated and I really, really urge you guys, go check out those sponsors, whoever it happens to be this week. Again, I only use sponsors of stuff that I believe in. I can say that now because that's how it is now. But like we get down the road and this podcast is 15 years old yeah there might be some like geico commercials be getting shoved into these slots and episodes that are 10 years back in the feed um but as it stands right now i'm only doing my baked in ads i only do for things that i use and care about um or that i know to work in the way in the manner that they advertise them to like self-tested stuff so you know i highly suggest giving them all you know checking them out supporting them because that supports us let them know that we sent you if you do, because that also helps us and helps us continue to grow. And if you like listening to me ramble for hours at a time, like, you know, it's going to take that kind of support for us to keep doing it. But anyway, I appreciate you guys. And let's get back into tonight's show. Oklahoma's first national park, Platt National Park, that got demoted in 1976 and became the Chickasaw National Recreation Area. Um, first thing let's talk about is like, so here's how it worked out for me. We're going to tell my travel log now. What was going and checking this out like? Okay, so I come back from St. Louis, specifically was delivering Alton, Illinois. And next episode, I may spend five minutes at the front of that episode telling you guys about Alton. Just it's a little one off, but it's something you guys really need to know about. Alton is a very, very cool place from a historical standpoint. If you care about history, Alton Alton is a place you should check out. But that's where I've been delivering, where I dislocated um, my howdy finger and my knee last week, but staying in St. Louis, it's all right there together. So I drive back in from St. Louis that day that I dislocated my knee or didn't dislocate, but yacked my knee literally was one of the worst work days I've ever had. It truly, truly was like go home day. Like it's almost like the gods knew the big purple gods knew it's your go at home day. We're going to screw you, bro. Like I literally had 40% more volume on my truck than I'd had for my entire two and a half week stint up there. It, it, it angered me. Um, I didn't get done till almost six 30 back till six, six 30 that night. And then had to drive six and a half hours home. I got here to Fort Smith, Arkansas, like two in the morning and turned around at 10 the next morning after I'd unloaded everything, turned around at 10 the next morning and took off for Turner falls guys. That's how I live my life. Why? Yeah, because I have to if I want to have any fun ever. So I took off for Turner Falls and uh, what turned out to be the Platte National Park. See, like you find these things out as you go. Turner Park Turner Park, and Turner's Falls is where my brain started because it's something that's been on my go, go list, my bucket list of local things that need to happen on a short weekend. So I get turned around and we drive down to Turner Falls. Well, I want to tell you about the drive there just a little bit because I want to battle a misconception about the state of Oklahoma. Back when we were making, and I talked about it a lot in the last episode, I hope I didn't run any of y'all off, 
um, because we talked about it a lot, but I talked about my time in film. Okay, well, we did some shooting here in Oklahoma, and when those Texans and their big egos came up here and crossed the line, I heard from more than one of them, and I'm picking on them. I loved most of them a whole lot. There was only one that annoyed us greatly. But I loved most of them. They were great people. But one of the things I heard over and over again from those guys was like, this is Oklahoma? Oh, my God, this is beautiful. And they're coming from Texas, which is mostly flat, you know. Like, that's why everyone comes from Dallas to Northwest Arkansas and to Southern Oklahoma to Turner's Falls and Wichita Falls and Broken Bow and Hochitown and all of that stuff. There ain't much in Texas as far as recreation that's not just flat grassland. So these guys come into Oklahoma and they're like, oh my God, this is beautiful. This is gorgeous. I had no idea. I thought Oklahoma was like the wild, wild west, desert, whatever. Well, like it is partly It's kind of like basically from Oklahoma City East to Fort Smith, Arkansas, where I live. It's called green country for a reason because it's literally in the northern half of the state. The the Ozark Mountains are bleeding down and coming off the plateau into foothills through the northeastern part of the state, up around Tulsa, all the way down. Eastern Oklahoma is in the Arkansas River Valley which is quite beautiful and hilly in its own right with all the forest. You get into southeastern Oklahoma, it's all the Washita Mountains from the Washita Orogeny, which is where also the Wichitas and the Arbuckles came from, by the way. Um, And it's all, it's really, really dramatically gorgeous in southeast Oklahoma. You get over toward the southern part of the state, out and toward the desert, you go through the Arbuckles and then the Wichitas, and then it does kind of become that crazy prairie land, and up through Oklahoma and western Oklahoma, it is what so many people think it is, but like literally like 70, probably 70% of the state, 60, 65% of the state, it's a whole different ecosystem and it's gorgeous. We got clear running water, like whitewater rivers. You know, you can go raft, you can go kayak, you can mountain bike. There are so many climbers. It's a climber's paradise. It's a hiker's paradise. Southeast Oklahoma, Eastern Oklahoma, Southern Oklahoma are absolutely beautiful places. Like I want to combat that misconception. Oklahoma is a hell of state. I'm proud of my home state. It's where I grew up. So, sooner born, sooner bred. Like I love Oklahoma. And it's beautiful. You guys should know that and that you should put it on your list. If you've never been down to Southeast Oklahoma, down to Southern Oklahoma, get online, look up travelok.com, check out a lot of that stuff, go out there and see and go put it on your list of places to go. You'll be, you'll be surprised. You'll be pleasantly surprised. Some of you like my Texan friends might be a little shocked, but it is absolutely gorgeous. So when I went to go down, I had two options. I can hook it down I-40 straight to basically Shawnee, almost Oklahoma city. And then I can start hitting like 35 South and head down towards Ada, Durant, et cetera, et cetera. And that was a little bit faster. But if I was willing to add 15 minutes to my trip, I could go over through my stomping grounds where I grew up in LaFleur County, um, down around, go through Poto, go through Worcester. Like, gosh, every town I went through, I was like, oh yeah, I dated a girl from this town, high school. Oh yeah. I dated a girl in this town. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, I dated a girl in that town, too. Mm. Yeah, it's like I don't really necessarily like going back through time, but it happens. And But I got to go through my old stomping grounds. But when you go that way, you go right down through the Washington Mountains. And I chose that way. I'll, I'll take an extra 15 minutes every day of the week for a beautiful drive. Interstate 40 is not bad. All the way over to Oklahoma City. Again, it's green country. Um, it's somewhat interesting to look at. But, like, when you go down through the mountains, we're talking some 
awesome, awesome roads going down through winding mountain ranges with some beautiful vistas and overlooks and huge longleaf loblolly pines. Um, you go through hardwood sections of forest. You go through all these little small towns that came up around the coal mining industry. A trip through southeastern Oklahoma, y'all, is a very, very fun trip to take. It is a very beautiful trip, and it is like a wash with photographic opportunities. So I chose to go that way. I want to take the scenic route anytime I can go. Got to go down through McAllister and Krebs. Man, there's a, they call it Little Italy. Krebs is Little Italy. And there are some amazing Italian restaurants there, straight up. Um, families that have moved there many years ago. And there, people used to make the pilgrimage, man. You'd drive two hours to have a dinner in Krebs every once in a while at one of the many amazing Italian restaurants. But like, I took the long way. I took the scenic route. The road less traveled, as they say, because usually that's where all the awesome stuff is. And I just want you guys to know that, like combat that misconception, that blanket idea of what Oklahoma is out there in the rest of the world. Y'all again, probably 65 to 70 percent of Oklahoma is absolutely gorgeous, truly is wonderful, wonderful things to do there. And you should all be making trips to my home state and giving them some of your money, spending some money in their communities because it is it'll be great. It'll be great. I promise you won't, you won't regret it. Um, so I drove down that way and I showed up about two, two 30 down there in Davis, down at my little abode where I stayed It's actually a place called the Canyon breeze stayed in a little bitty hotel, cheapest place you could find stayed at the Canyon breeze. They have many things there. They actually have a whole RV park. It's under like, I think deer Creek. They have two names. They kind of work by and they've got a whole little area. They got an ATV, um, an ATV park, like an off-road park. It's right down on the Kaimishi river. It goes right through the middle of part of their property. And the, the hotel itself, like just, if you go, okay, you're not going to be bougie if you go there, but I will say this, it's very clean. It is quaint. It is simple. It is functional and it is very clean. It was totally worth the price I paid for it for the kind of traveler I am. I don't go to stay in style. I go to have a place to sleep so I can adventure to my heart's consent, uh, content, right? Also, my heart's consent. I mean, I guess I need to consent to some of the things I do, right? But um, it was a cool place to stay. But I got there kind of late, you know, on day one. I'm only going to have really all of Saturday. Like, I got there on Friday at about 2, 2.30. I'm only going to really have all of Saturday, that afternoon and then Saturday to really explore. Because Sunday, you're checking out by 9 or 10. You want to get home so you can start editing pictures and unpacking. And I've got literally just came off of two and a half weeks in St. Louis into two and a half days, again, further from home, getting everything filthy and dirty out there in the woods um, and doing all my adventuring and photo taking. Like I had a lot to do Sunday afternoon. So we kind of left out early to get back so that I could get my life back in order to take back over. My daughter was done with the things she had that weekend. Actually, she went to the Garth Brooks concert and she did not like it because it was so loud. I could have told you that, but you know, that's what her mama was into and her stepdad. And I'm glad she got to experience it. Like, and maybe she'll remember it more fondly as she gets a little older, but eight year old doesn't appreciate old Garthy Garth. Not the way that a lot of us would. And also the loud music. She said her ear, ear, uh, muffs weren't quite good enough. She didn't really care for it. But anyway, she was done with what she did. So I got to roll into taking her to gymnastics yesterday and last night and doing all that stuff. And we're into soccer season again. So I'm getting back to real life. So Sunday afternoon was a great time to like literally do, God, three loads of laundry, get everything in order. It just took a whole thing. So I had basically Friday afternoon and Saturday, right, to do all my adventuring. So Friday afternoon, 
wasn't feeling super great on it after sleeping for four or five hours. You know, I was like, you know what? Let's let's uh let's just kind of go around. Let's go explore their little off-road park. Let's go down and see all the property they've got down there. Let's go up to the overlook over Turner's Falls and get a look at the park, get a look at the waterfalls, kind of get a look at sunset and go up into Davis and grab dinner somewhere and just kind of get oriented a little bit. Grab some of the local, you know, information, some of the local pamphlets, some of the local like leaflets and flyers and really figure out what's all going on in the area. Because at first I was like, look, I could bang into Turner Park tonight, Turner Falls Park, or... You know, I can try to do it tomorrow evening, but like after I got there and overlooked it from the free overlook from the highway that's way up on the mountain, and I highly suggest you guys do that. You got to go up there and look because it's a it's a stunning vista looking down on Turner Falls. It's quite quite beautiful. It's really cool. They got like an official turnout there. There's plenty of paved parking. Go up there and get an overview. And as I'm up there looking at, it, I was like, well, that place isn't very big. That's a cool waterfall, but ain't very big. And I already figured out. The Chickasaw National Recreation Area was out 20 miles to my west um, or east. That's like 17 miles or maybe less, but it was a 20 minutes. Um, I already figured out it was there. I'd already come across that it was Oklahoma's first national park. And in my brain, I'm thinking podcast. I'm thinking YouTube. I'm like, that is way more of a human interest story. That has got a great angle on it. That has got a hook. That has got something interesting that people will want to see. Oklahoma's first national park. And me, being a history nerd, that's the thing I want to tell you about. I want to tell you about these little known facts, give you a little bit of a look into our past and just, it's, it's a great angle. It's a great angle. There's a great hook for that. And so I wanted that. And like, after I got there, I was like, Turner Falls, not that big a deal to me anymore. After I'm looking at it and saw some reviews on the interwebs, just trying to get an idea to get to their website. Cause you have to pay to get into Turner Falls park. Um, quite significantly, by the way. Um, and I was like, God, man, it's got some horrid reviews recently. There's something going on there that I don't know about. So, like, it just kind of lost its um, appeal to me right after I got there and kind of looked it over. I was like, that's not my primary goal anymore. Platte National Park, Platte Historic District, rather, is what it's called now within Chickasaw National Recreation Area. That's become my prime focus. That's what I want. That's what I want to see. That's way more interesting. So, Turner Falls kind of fell off a little bit um, in order of how much I cared about actually seeing it. So we get there, go and overlook it, decide all that. So, okay, go get dinner. Let's go get dinner, get reset, get ready for tomorrow. Like get all my gear, get all my batteries charged, get everything set up, get microphones done as best I can take care of them, get everything ready to go. So I go up into Davis and I got a chicken fried steak. Y'all, if you ever want some real Southern cooking, you know, if you want a chicken fried steak slathered in white gravy with mashed potatoes and fried okra, I'm talking the kind of thing that might give you a coronary on the spot if you consume it too quickly. Anywhere in Oklahoma is a great place. Any little diner with a name like Deb's Burgerland, which is what this one was called. Anywhere like that that's serving up a chicken fried steak or something like it, that's the place to get you a real deal. Oklahoma you know, south, a southern chicken fried steak. And every steak's got them. Hell, Texas has got a chicken fried steak, like, driving trail. Like, they've got a whole thing is supposedly the best chicken fried steaks in Texas. And it's got this huge loop and all the little restaurants that supposedly make the best ones. Everyone's got their own version. They're all pretty much the same. But everyone in the south is proud of their chicken fried steaks. But you want a good, greasy one that'll stop your heart on the spot and give you heartburn for the rest of the night, you you got to get you a chicken fried steak at some little place in Oklahoma like that. And 
Deb's Burgerland, if you go there, just no. It hasn't been remodeled or done anything to in any kind of upkeep for probably 30 years. But they made a hell of a chicken fried steak. But anyway, went and got chicken fried steak, ate myself silly, got set up. And the next day, going out and going to pop down to Chickasaw National Recreation Area and check out the whole thing. Got down there, went to the uh, main park office. Or maybe it wasn't the main park office. It was um, Travertine Creek nature center and they had a park interpreter there national park service employee and it was great y'all like it's national park like look at my shirt if you're watching on youtube check out my shirt got my bison on there love and protect your parks i love this shirt like freaking 20 dollar t-shirt national parks can't beat it in a national park no less that's free because it's national parks administered, not actually of the status of a national park. But there's MPS employees. There's MPS merch. I got this cool little sticker. It's going to go on my new laptop I had to buy to go to college. And it says National Park Geek. And it's got the little hat with some little spectacles. It kind of looks like Theodore Roosevelt. It looks like Teddy Roosevelt with a National Park hat on. I It's, it's a beautiful nature, nature center. It's got all the interpretation of what's going on under the ground and the syncline and the springs and the history of everything that happened. And again, as always with an NPS employee, super knowledgeable. We spent, I spent probably 10 to 15 minutes talking to her. I was like, Hey, do you like your job? And she was like, I love my job. And we talked and I nerded out with her for a good solid 15 minutes and talked to her about kind of my plans with what I'm doing with my degree and hope, you know, the NPS very possibly could be something I explore. I would love to do that if all the circumstances are right. She was more than amenable to talking to me and like accommodating and told me all kinds of cool stuff. And like, it's a great place to go, y'all. And it's a great place to take children because here's the thing. Here's what it meant to me going to the Platte Historic District, which encompasses basically Travertine Creek, which comes from like Buffalo, the natural spring is called Buffalo Springs. And then the other spring, which was crap I forgot either way several there's several there's so many and that's why I forgot it there's so many springs in there and they converge down into Travertine Creek which is absolutely gorgeous it is a beautiful little tiny creek or it's like a tiny almost like a tiny river it's a large creek and it's very beautiful and as mentioned in that NPR article, there are many dams and, and faux waterfalls built along the way that made these pools of water. But like for me, what did that mean? That meant a lot of long exposure. And I had a super cloudy day that day. It was perfect overcast skies for long exposure on this hike. And y'all, I hiked my buns off, literally put the glutes through the ringer because I think I gained what almost 60 something meters in elevation. So like, you know, climbed over 18 flights of stairs over the course of the elevation changes for like 7.1 kilometers, which is something like four and a half to five miles. Like in just this one section following Travertine Creek all the way from there over to the, the Lincoln bridge, which I'm going to tell you about in a little bit. Um, it was over five miles of hiking. Like, it's a great exercise. It's a great hike, and it follows this absolutely beautiful creek, Travertine Creek, and it's got waterfalls everywhere. Perfect for photography, what I was there for. But you know what's going on? Everywhere there's a waterfall, there's a big pool above it. And you know what? There was a pool of kids everywhere you went, and everyone was bringing their families in to this free admission park and letting their kids swim in the beautiful, some might even say healing, spring waters of 
the original Platte National Park. And it's just cool, y'all. It's a perfect place to take your family for a day swimming in a, the cool waters of a creek, to have lunch under these big, huge, beautiful old growth oak trees. I mean, they're over 100 years old now, or 90 years old now, because they were planted in the 1930s, right? You get all this shade to have your picnic lunch with your family. The kids get to play and swim in this slow water. You know, it's slow water. It's not like it's a raging river. It's perfect, lazy little river for them to play in and all these waterfalls to look at. For me, I'm in there taking pictures and have all this hiking I can do. And on top of the hiking that's just in the Platte National or the Platte Historic District, the old Platte National Park, there's this whole section of trails that has way more mileage that's unimproved, Un, um, unmaintained trails that are for mountain biking and hiking and running and all of those things. And it runs all the way down to Lake of the Arbuckles, which is encompassed within the Chickasaw National Recreation Area. And I didn't tear into those because honestly, I intended to. I actually intended to hike the trail that follows Travertine Creek all the way from the Platte Historic District, you know, at the end of this little lake called Veterans Lake. And as it went on down to the Lake of the Arbuckles, not realizing how much hiking was in just the area alone, like the Platte National Park, the original footprint of the Platte National Park. So I didn't even get the chance to. Platte National Park was enough, which is great, because what does that tell you? I mean, on the one hand, it stinks because I missed out on seeing some of the stuff I was really wanting to get into, which is a little more of the backcountry, quote, end quote, hiking. But what it tells you is there's a lot to do there. And there's so much more. And by the end of this episode, I am going to tell you about all of it because I think you guys could get three or four day weekend out of hanging out down there and see lots and lots of stuff. If you're interested in biking, hiking, um, fishing at all, because there are is Lake of the Arbuckles, but biking, hiking, photography, birding or history, just those alone, those alone right there would keep you busy for several days. So it kind of helped because it gave me a little bit of a little bit of a watermark to be able to say like, hey, man, I hiked my tails off. Yo, you guys, I beat like I ground pound like and my brain gets going. It's usually to Billy Jean's and like that 110 beats per minute gets in my head when I'm pounding. And that's the steps that I take. And like I move fast when I hike It just just kind of how I move. It's not on for any reason or any purpose, but I cover ground is what I'm saying. And I covered all that damn ground and with stopping to take all of the waterfall pictures, which were amazing. I mean, I just didn't have time to go explore the rest of the trail. So there are a ton of trails for you guys to get in there. And there's like this whole thing going on with all the wildlife. If you like wildlife photography, Actually, I'm going to pull this act out real quick and read off to you a list of what you can find down there if you're into wildlife photography. This is that paperwork. Roadrunners, which are big in Oklahoma, like not the Roadrunner from the cartoons. These are a little bit dumber than that one. Um, tarantulas and scorpions and western diamondback rattlesnakes. Bob White quail, juniper, um, juniper bushes, coyotes, red cedars are there, cottontail. Wild turkey, bobcats, deer, nine-banded armadillos, beavers, banded owls, red-tailed hawks, scissor-tailed flycatcher, which is the state bird of Oklahoma, by the way. If you've ever had a that state series of quarters that the U.S. Mint put out, if you look at the Oklahoma one, it has a scissor-tailed flycatcher on the back. Um, there's a lot of wildlife there because it's literally what they call it, ecotine, or actually, let me make sure... 
that I said that properly. Ecotone, an ecotone, which is basically two ecological communities come together in the Chickasaw Recreation Area. It's eastern woodlands and they meet western mixed grass prairie. So you literally have an overlap of multiple species of animals that, and plants that are living in the same area. So there's a ton of wildlife photography opportunities if you're into that. But with everything I got into down there, I just didn't have time to go hit the rest of it. So there's that much to do, guys. And the mountain bike trails are there for the the unimproved and unmaintained trails that make like a 10 or 11 mile shot from Veterans Lake down to Lake of the Arbuckles. And you're going through this beautiful wooded lands on some of the most ancient mountain formations that have eroded down to these beautiful rock structures and rock formations with this beautiful rock travertine creek that runs through there with all the spring water in it. It's a really, really cool trip. When I got down to the far end of what I ended up being able to do there, I got to the Lincoln Bridge. The Lincoln Bridge was completed in, I believe, 1906-1907, and it is the oldest hand-built, you know, built structure, um, created structure within the old Platte National Park area, standing over Travertine Creek, and it's awesome. Y'all, go go to our website, waywardstories.com, after this drops, because I'm going to be putting these... Uh, pictures up tonight but go over to our website waywardstories.com and check out my instagram feed or you can just go find me on instagram at waywardsun119 you can do it either way but go check out the pictures you're going to see some of the long exposure and this bridge is in one of the long exposure shots and absolutely love that shot and you can see this 113 year old bridge that was built way back when it first became a national park over this beautiful creek like there's a lot of colors playing on the water from the greens and the trees the overcast sky worked out in our favor for long exposure go over instagram.com forward slash wayward sun 119 or waywardstories.com and you can see the pictures of this trip and and you can even find a link on the youtube feed there of my actual experience experiential video of this trip and you can see some of the pictures within that video but also see it in 4k see it in real time what it looked like out there and it was absolutely gorgeous um very very cool place to go down and check out the lincoln bridge as well and then had to hike back up to the vehicle got to go back to the park office talk to another park employee um and after that went to have like or actually sat there in the parking lot this is i love this i love this after a long day of hiking throwing up the back hatch on the xterra and like pulling out my sandwich meat and making a sandwich and sitting there with a bag of chips and a sandwich and like a cold zero sugar sweet tea or something on the friggin' back of my ride, just resting, letting it, you know, my body catch up and eat something like something solid, like a sandwich or whatever you bring for a picnic. Like that's one of my favorite parts of a trip like that. And sat there and ate my sandwich and then kind of decided, you know, collectively, we were like, what are we going to do now? Like, do we want to just call it? Do we want to go over and check out the Chickasaw um, uh, Cultural Center, which is something you should all do. Chickasaw Cultural Center is an amazing place with some beautiful, it's super cool. Google it, look into it, make it a part of your itinerary. But like trying to decide what to do. I got thinking about it. And finally, I was like, you know what? I've got to, we got to go to Turner Falls. We have to. Like, here we are. Got to go to Turner Falls because I got to have a picture of Oklahoma's tallest waterfall. Like it's the clouds are right. The overcast is right. I should be able to get some long exposure. Got to get a picture of Oklahoma's tallest waterfall. I got to go see it. And more so than even that waterfall, there is an abandoned castle that was built in the 1930s 
by a professor at the University of Oklahoma, the Dean of Education. Um, his last name was Collings, Dr. Something Ellsworth, I think, Collings. And it's an abandoned castle built in the medieval style. And that's way more interesting to me than a waterfall, to be honest, because the waterfall is beautiful, but I've now seen thousands of waterfalls. I've been to the tallest waterfalls in California, the United States, Oklahoma now, counting that one, Missouri, Indiana, Arkansas, you know, go down the list. Everywhere's got cool waterfalls. But that castle, that was really drawing me. But you have to get online. The city of uh, Davis owns Turner Park, and you got to get online, and you got to order tickets online. You got to pay. You got to go up there and like give them your printed ticket or scan your phone, or you can pay there at the gate, but it's way quicker and easier if you do it online. And I was kind of iffy about it, and to be honest, it was super, super expensive. And some of the really bad reviews about it were like, this costs more money than going to a national park. And for real, legit, it does. Some of the national parks, I mean, it was damn close to being <laughs> like going to Yosemite price wise. Um, and I was like kind of questioning, do I feel this? Am I really feeling this? Do I want to spend this much extra money for the one picture of this? But, you know, kind of the, the castle kind of sold me. It's like, I'm here. I came here for this purpose. And I kind of like, I got to do this. I got to do this. So, and if any of you ever hear this, any of you guys down in Davis and you're on the Davis City Council, don't freak out yet. Hear the whole episode. Let me finish my whole thought about everything, even though I've said a couple of things. They are fair statements that there are some bad reviews and it is quite pricey for what it is, you know, hear me out until the end. I'm going to redeem it a little bit. Just stay with me. Um, so I go and went ahead and did it, decided to do it, go in. It is pricey. Everything in there is pricey. Like it's super, super. It's about making money. Y'all it is. That's just the reality. That's the reality. And it was at one time a real tourist draw. And apparently it still is, which kind of surprised me. Cause like, again, it was like, wow, this is cool. But like, this, yeah, I don't know. Um, and, but people come up from Dallas. There were so many Texas plates, plates, Texas plates everywhere down there. Just like we see in Northwestern Arkansas and North Central Arkansas, up in the Ozarks every weekend, Texas plates everywhere. Like for as much as you Texans love that state of yours, you sure do leave it anytime you get the chance. Just saying, I'm kidding. Got to give you a hard time. You know that I'm from Oklahoma. That's what we do. Anyway, it was okay, guys. It was pretty cool. Here's the thing. It would be great if you're taking a family in there, kind of like you can over at Platte National Park for free. But if you go up in there, you can. There's a lot of really cool swimming holes and you can get to see this beautiful waterfall, which is super cool. This waterfall is natural. It comes out of 1.4 billion year old geologic stone over this, this huge cascade down to a sheer drop at the bottom. And it is. It's a super cool waterfall. And I got some great pictures. Like I said, you guys need to go over and check them out. Um to Instagram or to the website. But if you um, go, you need to go, honestly, just to check out Collings Castle, y'all. Even if you're not a history nerd, you will find it fascinating, I think, because, like, it's open. Like, I, there's a reason there's, like, a four-page-long waiver you sign, I guess, when you, uh, when you buy your tickets to go into Turner Falls Park, because... There are some dangerous places in there, and Old Collings Castle is one of them. It's not like it's dangerous because like it might collapse and fall on you, but it's steep as hell. It's built literally like a European medieval castle. Like the walkways are super skinny, the stairways are super tight. I went up to the top of one of the viewing towers, like a turret-style viewing tower. It's like going up like two flights to three flights of stairs on stairs. That I swear to God, I'm not making this up. If you're watching on YouTube, they're about that wide. Barely wide enough for both of your feet to stand on one step, which is how medieval castles were built to be defensible against invading armies. 
right? Hard to run down hallways, hard to flood a castle when the, the hallways are narrow, the stairs are tiny. I, did, I was a little bit nervous when I got to the top and realized there wasn't a way out at the top and I had to go back down the stairs that were that narrow, that steep. And I'm looking like 30 feet straight down the spiral of these little tiny things in this little hallway that's not much bigger than the size of my body. But it's super cool. Like, go watch the video. Like, I'll have that drop in here in about a week. And it's just scheduled that way. It's already done. But that video of exploring Collings Castle will drop in about a week. So be watching for that on YouTube feed. Um, but this castle, it sprawls across the side of this mountain. And it's buried in the trees. And the roof is gone in parts of it. I mean, like I said, it's safe physically as far as from, like, falling things or debris or anything. It's not that. It's just that the the... The walkways are so steep. Everything in there is so small and tiny. You have to be careful. And if you take children, be super careful with those kids and keep an eye on them. But it's super, super cool, y'all. There's multiple outbuildings. There are multiple layers. There are multiple rooms within the layers, all within this abandoned castle that was built 90-something years ago in the style, the traditional style of a medieval castle by a very obviously eccentric professor from the University of Oklahoma as his weekend kind of summer home getaway, which is literally right a hundred yards away from Turner's Falls, this beautiful, majestic waterfall that's happening. And what's really, really cool, if you explore your way up through Collings Castle far enough and you get up to the top, suddenly you realize, oh my God, there are more stairs that go all the way up the side of the hill. And you go up those stairs and you find another building. And in that building, when you come out the other side, you find a pathway that continues up to the top of the mountain. And when you go up to the top of the mountain and you finally figure out where that pathway was leading, you're literally standing on the highest point on that hill above Turner Falls, looking down at the whole panorama. The waterfall is below you. The Arbuckle Mountains stretch into the distance to the sunset. Go and see the pictures I took. I told y'all. Like they're going to be on Instagram. I'm actually actually dropping most of those tonight. After I get this episode edited and get this up and ready to be viewed or listened to. Um, The sunset. The vista. The waterfalls down below. And now there's. Used to be back in the old days in Oklahoma and Texas, what you would see in the silhouettes of the skyline against the the falling sun was the oil derricks. Now it's windmills. And I have to say the windmills are hella cooler to look at than the oil derricks in the distance. And that's a true story. They're really neat. And some of those pictures I got, they're very, very cool. There's windmills all around because there's the Arbuckle um, Project wind farm, which supplies hundreds of thousands of homes in Oklahoma with power all naturally. It's a really cool initiative. I looked into it cause I'm a nerd and I was like, damn, there's a lot of wind, you know, it's a big wind farm. What's this, which wind farm is this? I looked into it. Very interesting, but there's really majestic things to see and look at and, and, interesting things like this abandoned castle and the Platte Historic District and all the history that goes back all the way to the the Native Americans removal and the Chickasaw and the Choctaw and even pre them when you get into the Plains Indians like that were living and inhabiting the sites in this area before anyone ever did anything there. Super, super cool adventure. A super awesome weekend trip, guys. So much for all of you to get into. 
like I said, from mountain biking to hiking to nature photography to landscape photography to fishing to off-road vehicles to there's some zip lines there now to some good old-fashioned like Montezuma's Revenge chicken fried steaks at Deb's Burgerland all the way down and there's beautiful amazing cabins you can pay $500 a night for all the way down to where I stayed at the Canyon Breeze in this old school stuck in the 1970s hotel that is super clean super safe super well kept quaint and functional little property for on the cheap good place to spend a night and have everything be safe and sound and no worries like and everything in between from the Chickasaw Cultural Center that you can go and learn all about the Chickasaw culture and their heritage and where they came from and how they've rebuilt themselves and reshaped their future once they were removed to Oklahoma. There's everything, guys, from nature to history. And I can't say enough about how much I enjoyed that little adventure. There was so much cool to do there. Even when I got worn out, even when body parts start hurting, my knee was still yacked from last week. And I was out there hiking seven freaking kilometers on it. Whatever. Like... You can't let things slow you down. That's all I'm saying. You might be like, Joe, you're an idiot, Justin. Like, what? No. Like, you can't let stuff slow you down. If you get this age and you're doing as many things as I'm trying to do, you got to take every opportunity you can. But anyway, I digress. You guys should all go check it out. Go to the Arbuckles. Go to Turner Falls Park. Spend your money. Check it out if that's your kind of thing. Or go for free over to Platte National or Platte Historic District, formerly Platte National Park, now a part of the Chickasaw National Recreation Area and see one of our beautiful, one of four or over 400 national parks administered sites that we have in this great land of ours right there in Oklahoma. And it's a short drive from Dallas, a short drive from Oklahoma City or Fort Smith or even Little Rock and worth four or five days of your time if you've got it, but also great for just a little weekend trip. And I can't recommend it enough. I enjoyed the heck out of it. That brings us really to the end of tonight's episode. There are some other things I could talk about, but I'm not going to spend any more time. This one's ran on very, very long. Um, and I got stuff to do. I got to go take some classes, do some classwork um, after I edit this and stuff. Here we go. Let's see what we got ourselves into, Justin. It's on like Donkey Kong now. But anyway, appreciate you guys coming back for another week and listening. And I look forward to seeing you again in two weeks. If you have any stories, any trip any adventures, any travel logs, anything that you've done that you think your fellow listeners would like to hear, we're still taking admissions. Mywaywardstory at gmail.com. If you want to go check out all the photography, you want to go see the experiential videos from this week's episode of the adventure I just went and lived and everything that I took from it, go over to waywardstories.com and you'll find all the links right there on the homepage. You can also contact us through that homepage. If you guys are enjoying the show, I ask again, as I always do, I plead with you. I plead with you, my friends. Please rate, review, and subscribe. That helps us get bumped up where more people can discover us. It makes us more discoverable. Um, and for anything other than that, like I said, waywardstories.com to check out everything else. Rate, review, and subscribe. If you would, I appreciate it. And we'll catch you guys next time. Like, we'll catch you in the next episode. Let's just, like, let's quit beating a dead horse here and let's wrap this up. You guys can go on and live the rest of your day and I can get on with the rest of my night. It has been a pleasure as always. Until next time. You guys go out there, have some fun, explore some things, and be good to each other. <laughs>